This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave inside the Melbourne Law Studio, a full legal service law firm and the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida. Neither will back down. Protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. And check out our mugshots and certainly patronize our sponsors. On the spot dry cleaners, great folks. R&R Construction, if you need help, particularly in some sort of fire restoration, shoot DTR. Very safe place to practice your skills and be fully licensed to uh, carry a weapon. Style Cuts is the official barber of the Ward Scott Files, Dave Ratliff, Oxford Chronicle we partner with and keep you up to date as best we can with our uh, constant look for information to keep you up uh, informed and ready to go intelligently as an active member of our community. And um, we have uh, always extended our gracious thanks to the uh, donators, donors who donate to us. And of course, Melvin Law is a big help and so is Lewis Oil. We can always use more. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, well, 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 let me see if I could get myself on my own screen here real quickly and check on uh, Kim. Good morning, Ken and Mr. Ray Stern. Uh, Ray never tires of the Warthog video, nor do I. Um, you know, don't touch him. Don't touch him. And, uh, you know, that is that is a gem. We're going to try to hold on that forever, Ray. And uh, I want to remind you as we get ready for class today that uh, you should um, go over to rumble.com. And if you want to see the show there, the quickest way is Ward Scott Files, just one word. Ward Scott Files, it'll get you right there. And uh, follow us. And uh, uh, that builds up our rapport with Rumble. We have dumped YouTube for dumping us arbitrarily and capriciously uh, for violating their quote-unquote ill-defined community standards. So uh, we're working to uh, eliminate our relationship with them, and we've gone to an alternative uh, platform here. So, uh, of course, we're out on some, I think production tells me some 30 platforms um, that are audio, so you can listen to us all the time, just about everywhere. So I really thank for production for feeding us out to those various platforms. I uh, just want to touch briefly on crime here, uh, and low, you know, crimes out of control here. It's basically gangs, and they're doing a couple of things. They're have turf wars, but they're not only running the drugs; they're also running the women. They are big in uh, female trafficking for prostitution. And that all combines with the drugs, a nice, nice, neat, neat enterprise package. It's uh, out of control. 
I know the websites. I won't say it on the air, uh, but I know the website where you can go uh, see all the, it's, a, it's an online market for the women. And you can go see these women and um, order them up and have them delivered to your home or meet them or whatever. And it's all part of the whole enterprise system. There are secret code gestures in these photographs on this site. There are tattoos that mean things. Uh, there's a whole network, criminal network in this community. And of course, it's being fueled by our very porous border where drugs come across and get distributed through these networks. Uh, Biden's um, forgiveness of uh, reefer madness is not going to help any. It, it doesn't really address the issue. Uh, and um, so, so there you are. We generally have a kind of increasing climate of lawlessness, particularly locally here, where we've got the communist Cuban commissioner, Cinco, whatever her name is, who is on record as saying that the cops should be demilitarized. They shouldn't have a helicopter. I mean, this is all public record. I've heard her say it. Uh, you have the how the boy named Lauren, who is convinced that there's some, um, I don't know what it is, Wizard of, the, Wizard of Oz in the sky somewhere world uh, where everything is idyllic and works perfectly. Any, any uh, crime type of people, uh, they don't want to fund the sheriffs. They don't want to fund the GPD. They want to, of course, the GPD is uh, ruled by a commission and the sheriff is his own person. He's ruled by you, the voters. So, uh, you know, it, it's just a mess. Uh, we had several nights now of multiple shots being fired on Southwest 75th, which is Tower Road uh, behind uh, Sparrow Condominiums down in that area. Uh, that's Section 8 housing down there. You know, if you follow the logic of the commission, and you want to just break up single-family residence neighborhoods and stick into their um, high-rise quadruplex, for example, uh, it surely follows it will be at least available to Section 8 housing because it's all about, quote-unquote, affordable housing. So you stick that in the middle of a single-family residence where kids go to school, parents go to work, uh, you have neighborhood watch, this sort of thing, and you fragment and break that all up which is what this city commission wants to do. Uh, this uh, um, Hey Santos, who, if you look at his deposition, we've got it out on Ward's hot bulletin board. Uh, he doesn't know where he slept last night when he was trying to fend off the Jim Connish legal challenge as to whether or not Hey Santos actually lived in a district. It became really confusing, deliberately so, I would say. And um, there you are. Now he's telling everybody else how to live, where to live. Uh, he has no financial investment in it himself, you understand. He's not a developer. He's not a contractor. He's not a builder. He's just a mouth. And he spews out ideology. But he doesn't have any financial consequence of the, that I know of, of the stupidity of his advocations. So this is not atypical of these commissioners. Uh, many of them are just ideologues, uh, have very, uh, banana pudding Harvey Ward is a slumlord, uh, once has, has said, uh, um, he's been identified as such. So uh, he may have a little bit of, um, 
uh, you know, investment, but it's not, uh, it's not one that you would uh, see a uh, uh, heavy, heavy duty in the big building world. So it's a, it's a, it's a mixed bag over there. And they've got many, many people uh, beside themselves with frustration and anger and uh, want to leave the town and um, probably will do so. Many people I've talked to who really want to leave, they can't because they're not retired yet. They work at the university. They are conservative. They're very much in the minority and they can't wait to get out of the community. But they've got to wait until they retire. Then they're they're going to feet don't fail me now. Uh, don't let the screen door hit me where the good Lord split me. And they're out of here. So they've been coming to the Ward Scott Files talking to me about it. And I identify with their frustration. Now, the big story continues to be what I described yesterday as the heads exploding. And today, I want to go into one of the strategies of the left, which is the strategy of disruption. It's like a, an, a, an immature child. You see them all the time. If they're misbehaving publicly, they're misbehaving because they have permissive parents uh, who think the child can do no wrong, that they created him. Therefore, he's God's angel on earth. And everybody else regards him as God's hellion on earth as he tears up the, the uh, shopping aisles or he runs into your car or whatever that they do. You've seen them. And I can tell you that if uh, we uh, in our family behave like that in public, uh, well, we wouldn't want to come home and face the old man. Uh, I wouldn't want to come home and face the women in the family either. Uh, My grandmother carried a strap. I'm telling you now, I have been whooped with a strap by my grandmother, whom I love dearly, always loved dearly. Would you know that you know, and, and she put out the justice, and it was a strap. And buddy, it hurt when she got you with it. Now, we I wasn't the first one to get it. Uh, the predecessor kids in the family had gotten it, and she was known as the uh administrator of uh, morality, but it was done the old testament way with a whooping. So, uh, there's not enough whoopings anymore, and you can see that in the behavior. Of these children, they're really adolescent children who are now college students who, if they don't get their way, uh, they disrupt and they come in and they crash the gates. And they I've seen them do it several times. Uh, When this guy came a few years ago, I can't remember his name now. Uh, They claimed he was a a Nazi. I don't remember. Somebody will remember his name. And they listen. I went down there with one of my buddies. And I have never seen so many armed gendarmes of one form or another to protect this character. As he spoke a few words, I think it was in the Phillips Performing Arts Center. I mean, it was maddeningly crazy and totally disruptive on purpose. So much so that Southwest 34th was blocked off to traffic. Uh, they were expecting the worst, uh, as uh, that, as the saying goes, a shooting in the court. Um, this is the type of person we have at the university disrupting the formality of this man, at least saying hello. Now, if you don't think that the university is politicized 
And if you don't think it isn't politicized to the left, then you haven't seen the disruptors. The disruptors are the ones crashing the, the castle walls. And I don't know how it's all going to turn out. I don't think they're going to be successful. They sure as heck shouldn't be successful, or it's going to be a very bleak day at that university. I have outlined reasons for you as to why the university has to make uh, this type of, um, of um, move, given the uh, legislature and given the politics of the state and given the other universities' uh, ability to attract funds. Uh, this is Richard Spencer. That's who it was, Ray, a white nationalist. He was, uh, he was tagged as a white nationalist. That's it, Richard. Richard Spencer uh, went down there uh, uh, and, and tried to, you know, we didn't even get close to the guy. So uh, here, here's where, and by the way, there was a guy trying to get away from the traffic jam down there that the disruptors bashed on his car. He got out and confronted the disruptors who bashed his car, and he was the one sent to the jug and not the disruptors. I saw that. Saw that happen. So I thought I'd put this conversation in even more of a perspective for you because I've got out on Ward's hot bulletin board what really is going on at that University of Florida. Now, the front page of the Gainesville Sunset today has an article about this. There's not much in that paper anymore, and this is what they have. But most interestingly, they have a picture of a gentleman named Trent Williams, which I'd like for production to put on the screen now and keep there for a minute. There's Mr. Trent Williams. Now, Mr. Williams is in the public, so I can talk about him. He's a UF associate professor of dance, Trent Williams. He asks the question. We don't know what the question is. And it's at Emerson Alumni Hall in Gainesville on Monday. Okay, if it's okay, uh, we'll keep that up there just for a minute, maybe take it down to give uh, Mr. Trent Williams a break and then put it up again. Uh, if you would, production, when I think it might behoove the people to see it again. Let's talk about who Mr. Trent Williams is. Now, let me set the, um, the you know that I know what I'm talking about. I, you know, uh, I've gone through all my credentials with you. Uh, Senate president, president of the Senate presidents, um, you know, plus I get an awful lot of information delivered to me, some of it in parking lots at night under the cover of darkness, because the people who have it are afraid to let anybody know they have it, but they know that if I have it, I'll use it uh, if it's appropriate. A uh, little arrow there I'm watching to my good, my good friends in production. Anyway, um, let's go back to a document that is on our Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. And I will tell you who Mr. Trent Williams is. Um, the UF dance students received a letter. Oh, and I, I don't remember the date. It's been a while back. And this letter was leaked to me by an absolutely knee-knocking, frightened dance associate professor who was a conservative who thought all this was crazy. and 
it is as follows. The faculty members of the dance area uh, join alumni and current students' condemnation of systemic racism in the School of Theater and Dance. Now, Mr. Trent Williams there is an associate professor in the School of Theater and Dance. Now, the faculty members claim that in the School of Theater and Dance, it is et up, as we say in Georgia, with systemic racism, and that it is et up uh, with global anti-Blackness. I'm just reading from this letter, okay? And it says, we stand with countless Americans in affirming that Black lives matter. We also recognize that the field of dance, I get this now, dance, ballet, for example, classical ballet, is born in the European countries. I mean, it is danced in the halls of Moscow, Russia. Ironically, Russia is a very cultured place in buildings 500 years old. Our country's not that old. We don't have a building more than 100 years old in Gainesville much. Come on. Now, that's how old it is. But now at the University of Florida, you would think they would take the classical position. But no, they come along and say that systemic racism has ruined, as we say, uh, the field of dance. Are you kidding me? So they say that it's all a white supremacist activity, that dance is a white supremacist activity. I'm reading from the letter, which you may go to Ward's Hot Bulletin Board and read for yourself. Now, how are they going to rein in the faculty that are practicing, therefore, white supremacist beliefs and corrupting the field of dance and not supporting Black Lives Matter, which incidentally, by most accounts, has turned out to be a a scam. So, and the purpose of this is to undo racism in the dance faculty. Now, Trent Williams is a member of the dance faculty. He happens to be a man of color, okay? Now, what do you think he believes? I'm going to give you concrete proof in a moment of what that man believes. He's come down there to confront a future president for being what? Not of the political ilk, that he thinks a president should be, which is that whom condemns this systemic racism. Now, how are they going to evaluate that they're going to put these questions into the faculty evaluations and they're going to find concrete actions which are going to hold the frightened faculty accountable for their unrecognized bias, right? Come on. Now, they have a group called the Black Indigenous People of Color faculty that they say are at risk at the University of Florida. So what they want to do with their curriculum, their bachelors in fine arts, all right? They want to, I've got an underline here. You can go look at it. It wants to decentralize colonial Eurocentric 
perspectives in dance technique. Are you serious? You cannot be serious. Now, what this means is that there has to be a re-teaching of contemporary ballet practices. And furthermore, there has to be, you know there has to be, a workshop in which your brain, you white supremacist faculty member who teaches Eurocentric ballet dance techniques, has to be reprogrammed. I read to you, all school of theater and dance faculty and staff are expected to participate in three days of undoing racism workshops. And this was to be done, my friends, December 14th through 16th, 2020. Now, what's the name of the workshop? The People's Institute for Survival and Beyond. You think I kid you? Go to Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. I've got the documents there. Leaked to me by a frightened dance teacher in the School of Theater and Dance who knew the only way to get this note in a bottle off the island was to give it to the Ward Scott Files. Now, also, the students are going to launch in 2021, according to this, a student dance council. And they are going to uh, run this reindoctrination process at the student level. So, and all the instructors are to check into these conversations with these students. So what you have now, if you look at that group of children crashing the walls there, the adults are no longer running the education. My friends, every classical society of quality has always championed the wisdom of the elders. Are you with me? The elders, how did the elders get to be so wise? They saw a lot. They lived through a lot. They made mistakes. They learned from their mistakes. They can help you not make mistakes. Every society of any value I will offer as a comment always respects its elders. This one doesn't. The University of Florida, disruptive students, the adults no longer run the education because and I'm going to read you some of the individual comments of some of these teachers. Now, I'm not going to read their name until I come to Mr. Trent Williams. I'm just going to read their comments. I think out on the board top bulletin board, since this is a public document, you'll see their name. But here is what one of the adjunct lecturers said. Now, we don't, in print, so we don't know if this adjunct lecturer said this necessarily of her own free will, because if she doesn't 
say the party comments, she will not be hired, no doubt, at the university. So here's what she has said. And remember now, 60% of the University of Florida is, are women. As a white female, I am fully committed to deepening my understanding and awareness of systemic racism and devise ways to dismantle it in my everyday life and classes. I'm not going to read her whole comment. She has more things to say. There you are. There you are, my friends. Okay. The University of Florida. All right. Here we go. Another person. As a, another teacher, as a white dance artist. I don't know why we have to. I, I Listen, I'm on the board of trustees of Dance Alive National Ballet. You know that. We don't. There may be Russian ballet dancers on the, on the ballet. There may be Cuban. There may be Japanese. We don't color code them. We do know what country they're from. And they come from all over the world. But we don't color code them. This color coding has been jammed into the curriculum. I've been telling you this, my friends, at all levels of the education system. I happen to have the smoking gun in my hand. Leaked to me by a trembling teacher in the dance program at UF. This person says, as a white dance artist, an assistant professor of contemporary dance practice, I am fully committed to working toward anti-racism, decolonization. Decolonization. which means no more Columbus Day, indigenous people, decolonization? Let me me understand this now. You're teaching dance. You're teaching dance. And you're going to teach decolonization? Are you kidding me? I love this next comment. As a white, queer dance artist, educator, and administrator, my anti-race dance and theater ethos is to prioritize the needs of the most vulnerable among us. And there we go. There we go off down that road. God, hang on. It gets better. It gets better. Here's somebody who says, as a white assistant professor of dance studies, I commit to deepening my understanding of my roles and responsibilities as a white researcher of black dance and educator 
of black dance histories. I know that African dances are African dance. I know all about all those things. I know about Native American dances. European dances, there are many different versions, but the apex of it, the most difficult of it, is the ballet. Oh, boy. Here's another one. Take a break in a minute. I'm going to come back and tell you about Trent Williams. As a white adjunct lecturer, I am committed to continuing my focus on anti-racist research as well as continued attendance to anti-racist workshops and discussions. I support Black Lives Matter. You know, a university is not about fads, okay? You don't study the jingle of the day. You can get that from the newspapers. You can get that from the clubs. At the university, you learn critical thinking and classical problems. You don't dumb it down to the fad of the day. You don't dumb it down to the fad of the day. Even the black fellows have been forced, I guess. Here's a gentleman says, as a black male associate professor. Now, I hope you understand how professors are ranked. Adjunct professors have no protection. They have no tenure. They're hired on term by term, need by need. Then you work your way up from associate to assistant to full professor to professor emeritus. I'm a professor emeritus. Okay, But these guys at the lower end of the thing are nervous. They want to get to where I am. But it takes years of thinking and review and publishing and teaching before you earn the, earn the right to be called that. So this gentleman says, as a black male associate professor, I'm committed to deepening my awareness of how systemic racism is embedded in my understanding of how I interact with others and the world. Making sure that in that interaction, I'm not perpetuating systemic racist attitudes. Here's a guy who's black who says he's a racist. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, I'm going I'm to put off my break for a moment. I'm going to get to I'm going to get to Mr. Trent D. Williams, Jr. Can we put his picture back up there, please, production? There's Mr. And I, I don't know Mr. Williams. He's just obviously a gentleman, nice guy. But, you know, here is what we're involved with. Um, this is Mr. Trent Williams comments. As an African-American male assistant professor in dance area, 
I will continue to hold safe spaces for BIPOC and uh, LBGTQ students to speak freely and respect their histories and cultures. I am committed to deepening my understanding and awareness of how systemic racism are embedded in my roles and responsibilities as an African-American choreographer, educator, and dancer. And he goes on. That, that is Mr. Trent Williams. Bless his heart. What, pray tell, I'd love to know the question. He's asking the presidential candidate. My complaint here is at a university. And they're the ones complaining about politicizing the university, and they're the ones politicizing it. These people, and this is just the dance theater department. This is just the dance department. I've checked with my friends throughout the university. It's all through the university, this indoctrination. It's all through it. It just so happens that somebody in dance leaked me these documents because they know I know something about dance. And my God, there it is. And I looked at this. I said, Trent Williams, where have I heard that name before? And I go back to the documents, which we have posted on Words Hot Bulletin Board. And uh, you uh, see the gentleman's comments there. I'm going to take a break. When I get back, I'm going to talk about the curriculum vita of the woman who's head of this department. And then you'll see what a presidential candidate is up against when he comes to a place like the University of Florida. This is not in the Gainesville sunset. What I'm giving you right now is not in the Gainesville sunset. It's not on Channel 20. You're getting it from the Ward Scott files, and you're getting it from somebody who dang sure knows what he's talking about. Be right back on the Ward Scott files in a moment. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 
1-800-227-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Word Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here and Lewis Oil. 62 years of experience in the... uh, in the oil and gasoline business, really good friends, Wendell Lewis, bringing the weather. I thought what you'd be interested in is the winter forecast for the weather. Now that we're in fall, we'll soon be into winter, of course. And uh, we do get a winter here in the piney woods of north central Florida. But, you know, I used to ski quite a bit out west. So I used to always want to know if it was going to be a snowy winter out west. And this is going to be a great season for skiers. Uh, This winter is, according to AccuWeather, going to be one of the most snowy ones we've had in quite a while, particularly in the northern tier of the contiguous United States. Um, This is just great for those of you who like to head out to um, the the slopes. Uh, The long-range forecasters are predicting this is due to a triple dip in La Nina uh, for the third winter in a row. It's going to shape the weather patterns across the U.S. And uh, the regular climate phenomenon occurs when the water near the equator in the eastern Pacific Ocean is cooler than average, which in turn influences the jet stream and the overall weather patterns in North America. So despite what will be the third La Nina winter in a row, um, this winter is nevertheless not going to be like the previous two because La Niña's in their third year are tricky. Um, they're not exactly the same. They're complicated and dynamic, and they influence weather patterns in, in all kinds of ways and all kinds of places throughout the globe, particularly here, though we're focusing on what it's going to do to the U.S. winter forecast. So a mild winter is in forecast for most of the southeast. Uh, but out west, we're going to have a pretty big snow season. Uh, severe weather as a whole will decrease across the U.S. during the winter months, but uh, it can still be heavy rain coming still here with even still we're not out of the hurricane season. So Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, all that coast and that, uh, we're not past that uh, change of weather that we get along this time of year. So the Gulf of Mexico, the Atlantic coast, they're warmer than usual. So there's still a chance for another big system to develop. And uh, this has not been uh, a favorable 
kind of outlook in terms of what we might get, but we certainly hope we don't get it. Um, in recent winters, there have been enough cold spells, according to AccuWinter in Florida, that we've actually had temperature dip down into the 30s, causing the frost and the freeze. So uh, that's the weather here. We think it's going to be uh, perhaps a little warmer here, but certainly if you're planning on packing your ski stuff and heading out to the mountains this winter, you should be able to plan to do so. Continuing my analysis for you, because I don't think you'll get anywhere else of what's going on in the University of Florida culture is um, got two sides to the story that you're not getting. The other side that you're not getting is how those who complain that this presidential nominee is a political nominee have politicized the university themselves. And by that, I mean, I'm not going to go to a university to be indoctrinated on my implicit bias and have it reprogrammed and retrained. I'm going to go there to learn Aristotle, Socrates, um, anything in the math world, the computer world, any of my specialties. I want to become well-trained to become a medical doctor. I'm not there to be told that I'm a jerk just because of skin color. I mean, that, for, to dumb a university down to that level is amazing to me. And so if you go out on Ward's hot bulletin board and look at who has been picked, and God knows how it happened. I've checked into this. I've really done some behind-the-scenes research on this. To get rid of this program chair, Anya P. Ozuzu, Because of the race issue, you can't just dismiss her for implanting in the curriculum systemic racism. Because you'll run the risk of being accused yourself of racism. You see, this is the quandary you get yourself into. I've done some behind-the-scenes research on this. What you do with situations like this, and this is so odd, but this is the way it works. You promote this person out of this position. I know, I know it means they actually make more money, but they have less direct influence over scaring the daylights out of the faculty member members and making them go to indoctrination camp. And if you could promote this person out of this position, you might get somebody in there with common sense. Although when I was the Senate president at Santa Fe, the math department, which is one of the most academically rigorous departments we had at the college, went searching for I'm not going to mention any names that you can figure it out. Went searching for the best candidate to hire as a new math faculty member. And the person they hired was not a minority. The dean was a minority, 
he went down and blessed out the math department for not picking a minority. The president called me in as a Senate president and said, you got to fix this, Ward. That math department is about to revolt. The lid's about to come off that place. I've never told this story before. So I go to the dean. You know me, I ain't, you know, I'm going, hey, don't don't worry about it. I'll get it done, okay? I went to the dean. I say, listen, you screwed up. The lid's going to come off that place for what you did. I got to make this thing right. You got to make this thing right. And I'm going to walk into that math department with you, and you're going to apologize to these people. Because, I mean, I had all the power. I had all the power. So we walked in together. I'm going to tell you something. He hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed and never apologized. But he did hem and haw, and we reopened the search. And when I walked out and that man went down the hall, I was stopped by the math chair who told me, Ward, if you had not walked in here with him, we would never have let him come in here. Okay? Seeing the arrow again, production. So anyway, I see what the arrow goes across. I don't know what they're doing with it, but I see it. Anyway, that's a story. That's a story. We reopened it, and we got the very best person. Okay. This woman, I I guess she's still the dean. Let me, you know, the other thing that these people do who end up applying for these administrative jobs, my God, you ought to see their resume. They put down every time they went to the bathroom. I mean, they become resume artists, they really know how to write a resume. So I went through to see, I mean, it's pages and pages. I think I got it on Words Out Bowling Board. Pages and pages of stuff. I went out to see what we had here that could have been something you might should have known if you were on the selection committee. Here's a national presentation. Dancing while black at Contemporary Arts Center. That was one. Okay. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does. Maybe you can tell. Maybe you can't. Here's one. Black expressions in Washington, D.C. Maybe it tells. Maybe it doesn't. Um, here is another, of course, this is, this is, this is in retrospect, is it not? Um, so you look at this, here's Black College Dance Exchange in Tallahassee. Uh, and you say, well, what's it got, what's the big deal about that? Once again, you're looking for the intrusion of some sort of political position in a university 
which is all about teaching classical forms. All right. Here's one in the Atlas Black. Well, that's not it. That's, that wouldn't that wouldn't work. Anyway, I'm going through, and you don't get a whole lot. This is very, I, I would say, to me, this is a padded resume. Every trip to the bathroom, as I said, is in there, pages and pages and pages. So how do you know these things? And I'll guarantee you, I will guarantee you, no student, no, I mean, I just bet you, no student turned up to protest that hiring of that person. I bet you. I bet you. And this is what you're looking at. When you see this conversation going on in public right now, you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg, my friends. So I'm going to rest my case. I invite you to go to Wartsock Bulletin Board and read the documents for yourself and um, realize that nobody else has got them. And I was the one they were leaked to because I would share them with you, my students. Now, we've got a lot writing on this election coming up, okay? Midterm. And I ran across this. Uh, Virginia Abram of the Congressional Reporter uh, wrote this a couple of days ago. And it's what the gamblers around the world are putting their money on for the midterm elections. Now, gamblers are just gamblers. I mean, they could care less who's in or out. They just want to bet and win. So they are betting on a split Congress. Okay? Now, you can take this for what it's worth. I thought I'd share it with you. Political gambling, an aggregate of studies about this, reveals that the betters expect the Republicans to win the House. But they're not betting that the Republicans will win the Senate. One of the really critical races, of course, in Georgia, and they're busy smearing each other there. Now, just recently, as of last Friday night, something called electionsbettingodds.com placed the likelihood that Democrats keep the Senate at 56.9% compared to 43.1% for Republicans. This website updates betting every minute from an aggregate of gambling sites. But the bettors are more optimistic that the House will change hands They put the odds that Republicans succeed in winning the minimum of five new seats 
needed to take the majority at 80.8%. And the Democrats' chances of keeping the House are fewer than 20%. In the key Senate races, the gamblers are betting that the Republicans will win in Ohio while the Democrats will win in Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. So they're betting on Warnock in Georgia. Ohio's Republican nominee, J.D. Vance, has a 76.7% chance of beating Democratic Representative Tim Ryan. And the Democrats' Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman in Pennsylvania and Senator Mark Kelly in Arizona have a 59% chance each of beating their Republican opponents, Dr. Oz and the venture capitalist Blake Masters. And in Georgia, Warnock has a 64.7% chance of winning. All this is according to the gamblers. The site also tracks the odds for the 2024 presidential election. Trump is currently in the top spot with a 27.3% chance of winning. DeSantis had an 18% chance of winning. And Biden with a 17.3% chance of winning. There you go. There you go, my friends. Huh? Sound about right to you or not? What do you make of that? We've got a couple of funny things to conclude with here that kind of interest me about the climate. So I thought maybe you'd, you'd, you'd maybe indulge me for a moment. Um, see if I can find my little documents here that I, I researched for you. Mm. I've got them somewhere here. Well, you know, I've got cows. You see pictures of them. And I ran across this about New Zealand. I had to laugh, but I didn't, again, it's not funny. Because we've heard this before. In New Zealand, now let's set, set the stage there. In New Zealand, there are 5 million people, but there's 10 million beef and dairy cattle and 26 million sheep. Now, New Zealand's government proposed taxing We've heard it before, the greenhouse gases that farm animals make, are you ready, from burping and peeing. I know, I mean, you heard me, you heard me. You heard me. Cow burps, poots, peeing are destroying the climate, my friend. If New Zealand's government is successful, it will be the first 
levy against farmers for polluting and changing the environment, the climate. Now, the government has pledged to reduce greenhouse emissions and make the co country carbon neutral by 2050. But the biggest source, and with only 5 million people, of methane emissions is from the cows and the sheep. I don't know how they're going to keep the cows and the sheep from pooping, peeing, and burping. There you are. There you are. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Now, I think I've got enough time to do this. What have we got? Maybe not. Uh, this is all about pigs. You know, I used to have pigs too. But, you know, I'll probably save this tomorrow because this is all about industrial farming. We'll have Ted Joe tomorrow, but, you know, we got a dilemma. You can't have it both ways. If all of y'all want to work with computers and work in buildings and get on Zoom and get your food from the grocery store, then you're going to have to have industrial farming, which is the concentration, in this case in California, of the production of pork. And they're complaining that in order to produce enough pork for all the 99% of the nation that doesn't produce its own food, you have to intensify the production of the sows by confining them in a narrow cage. And that will supply your human appetite for pork. Yet, the people who are, I don't know, they're not really PETA. They're just people, I guess. We're all worried about cages. They don't want to swine to be gestating in the in the cages. They want cage-free eggs. They want crate-free veal. The whole, that's the whole bit. In other words, they rely on industrial farming since 99% of them work in a building or drive, but they don't want industrial farming. And so California it's going to be heard by the Supreme Court. It's going to outlaw pork that comes in there they want to. That has been produced in crates. And depending upon how the Supreme Court rules on this, it could influence the guys who raise pigs elsewhere than in California in crates. Slaughterhouses. I'm going to tell you something. you got to have a slaughterhouse. You don't need to go to it. You don't need to see it. You don't need to participate in it. But you got to have a slaughterhouse if you're going to have industrial farming. And if you're going to have your lifestyle of urbans and cars and machines, you're going to have industrial farming. Otherwise, you ain't going to have no food. 
Have a great day. Wartime Bulletin Board has those documents and join rumble.com. Talk to you tomorrow. Board Hall Command Center out.